Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. This is Dan. Before we get to the podcast, got to tell you about FanDuel. The NFL season isn't over yet. If your season-long fantasy football league just isn't cutting it, get your mojo back at FanDuel.com and pick a new team every week. Joey Watson, Jay Watts from New York, played fantasy football on FanDuel for less than two weeks last season and won over $30,000. Join him and the hundreds of thousands of other users who have already won money. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code AROUND and sign up now. A new user special. It's ending soon. FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar up to 200 bucks. That's $200 free. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code AROUND. Don't forget to use our code. What is it, Mark? AROUND. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The Around the NFL podcast cleans asbestos from the factory of sadness. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What up, boys? What is happening? Let's be honest. Some of the best heroes you've ever been around. You guys are not cleaning asbestos in any building. Awesome. Awesome. What a fun. What a fun afternoon at the uh, NFL media offices to watch this Cowboys-Lions game especially. Yes, it was the game that saved Wild Card Weekend and a controversial game at that. I, I get a feeling that Dino Blandino's got a busy week ahead of him <laughs> after uh, some of the events of that game. But a, a big comeback victory by the Cowboys. And, you know, we today was west of this, of course, with uh, the, the Bengals playing their annual Wild Card game. You can probably guess if some if you're like a, maybe you're such a fan of this podcast that you don't watch the games and then you or is there anybody that's like this you think don't watch the games and then listen to the show to get the results me well, i doubt they that listen awesome. to get the results but there might be some overseas that they don't get to watch it live but they do listen to the podcast mm, that's true so four games to get to this is our wild card weekend wrap-up show chris wessling uh, of course on west of this a holy day he was off uh, and we're certainly not going to check. <laughs> that was by him. accident, yeah. but it worked out well. Well, around 8 a.m., we received a color photo on his on his Twitter feed of a what seemed to be a vast Bloody Mary bar at a <laughs> at a local establishment. 
Yes. And, and it I, was roughly 8.15 in the morning. I don't imagine that he touched that. I mean, he's not a guy that no. likes to imbibe. But he is off. We're not going to get him on the phone just to play it safe. But Wes, we can imagine, will sleep with a smile on his face. Almost like he got a Red Rider BB gun on Christmas Day because <laughs> we had the Red Rifle in Cincinnati to thank for that. But let's start, as I called it, the game that saved Wild Card Weekend in Arlington. Big D, where Tony Romo threw two touchdown passes to Terrence Williams, including one late in the fourth quarter, giving the Cowboys 24-20 win in the Wild Card round, eliminating the Detroit Lions in a wild game that I feel like people will be talking about for a long time. Obviously, you had the the controversial flag pickup on the pass interference call that would have really put the Lions in a great spot. And then Tony Romo uh, continues to rewrite the narrative of his career uh, this season, especially the last couple of months. Greg, I'll start with you. Tony Romo leads the Cowboys past the Lions. Is this the new Tony Romo, and does that make the line of the Cowboys, a dangerous team here down the stretch. No, they're definitely dangerous. They're an offense first team, which is what I like in the playoffs. Their defense didn't look great today, but on a day where I thought Romo was outplayed by Matthew Stafford, Romo was the guy in the third and fourth quarter, making all the big plays on third and long. He gets a touchdown on fourth and six. He gets the big play to Jason Witten and, for them to win on a day where Des Bryant didn't do a lot, DeMarco Murray didn't do a lot, and the offensive line didn't play great, and they still come back from 14 points, give the man some love. I feel I feel for Lions fans, though, because for a team that has had no success in the postseason, for, for most adults living in Detroit and around the area, you've seen nothing. Right. And was, this was a you know the reversed pass interference call. That's going to be talked about in Motown for months. Well, let's talk about it. Since sure. It, I mean, what did you guys think of it when you saw it? Well, it, the thing that killed me was just the lack of explanation. Lack of explanation. If they explained it, it weird. right? Your it instincts weird. are they throw the flag initially. That to me, I need I need a clear explanation, and so did Jim Caldwell. And a, they announced it. It's a twenty. It's a twenty to seven lead, I believe, at this point for the Lions. They if this uh, if they call it, prob- well, they did call it, but if they didn't pick up the flag, the Lions would have had it inside, I believe, or around the red zone. Uh, and they would 20 been, to 14 lead at the okay, time. Okay, 20 yeah. to 14 lead at the time. Uh, but I 20 thought 2017. Sorry, 2017. Yeah. So I think here's the two part two parts of this. First of all, if you're a Lions fan, you have every right to be angry, and the people were going nuts on Twitter about this. Uh, that basically the game was handed to the Cowboys under uh, nefarious circumstances, which is silly. But also, I get the frustration about the call. The other part of it, though, that really drives me crazy. It's still after they pick up that flag, fourth and one from around midfield. And that's a chance where you have to go win a game. You have Joyke Bell, who's, who's running well in that game. Uh, but they, Jim Caldwell punts the ball away. Well, they try to get an offsides initially, right. and it doesn't work, so they're sitting at fourth and six. They go for the punt. I agree. That's, I thought that was gutless, yeah. and I feel like especially in these type of games, that's how you lose. There was a you, lot of time left, but to, what, what a contrast, away. though, between Jim Caldwell and Jason Garrett, the football gods frown on the punt on fourth and one. But how about Jason Garrett? He goes for it on fourth and goal on the goal line in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. Yes. By now, that, that play is almost forgotten. They get that. Fourth and six. The logic was you go for it there. But I've seen Jason Garrett and other types of coaches punt or even try to kick a long field goal. He goes for it there. So the Cowboys went for the win. And as much as that call, it was a terrible non-call. I mean, it was an obvious penalty. Yeah. As much as that killed the Lions, they scored three points in the second half. And they had three turnovers in the second half. I'm counting the, the 
Stafford fumble because technically they had two turnovers, three turnovers and three points. The Cowboys, on the other hand, scored 17 points in their last three drives. Right. I mean, so what do you want to do? Make a stop. I mean, Detroit's defense. The one thing that's hard, I think, if you're a Lions fan too, if this game had been 30 to seven and the, what some thought would happen to Detroit, they played the game of their season. Defensively, six sacks. 10 hits on Romo. I mean, they controlled the game for a big portion of it. They just couldn't do right. it down the but stretch. They, they let down in the end. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, back to Romo. I mean, this guy has taken more heat than anybody in this league over the past 10 years, I'd say. And I think this is something to watch now. Now, they're going to Green Bay next week where, uh, very interesting, Dallas 8-0 on the road, Green Bay 8-0 at home. Uh I think how many times we see it every year, there is the quarterback of the team that gets hot. Mm. And and we're seeing Romo as a guy to me that could potentially be that guy as insane as that would be. And if you imagine how, how he would be um, covered and how people would be going crazy if it was the Cowboys involved in that type of Flacco-like run. Uh, but he can be that guy. And I think they're going to hang in that game because I think Romo is an MVP-level quarterback playing his best football of his career. Well, and, and for him to hang in that game and then to move on potentially probably to Seattle, if they ever were to get into the Super Bowl, they will have <laughs> wow. proven it. We're but looking far ahead listen, here. I'm, I, don't wanna, I'm not, I don't think it's that crazy because I think Dallas is not a fluke team on any level. They are built to win these type of games if their running game is working. I, I don't think they're a fluke team either, but I think Cowboys fans and Romo and everyone should enjoy Enjoy this game sure. because it was a 14-point comeback. This is only the second playoff win of his career, first in five years. And, you know, this might be it. This might be the high point in what has been a really surprising, amazing season. And the way that they did it today it just showed a little more mental toughness. The defense, which I think is a problem and it's going to be a big problem in Green Bay, yeah. did not play well in the first half, but they did play well in the second half, and they got the big sacks at the end when they needed it. Another guy who I think gets you know taken taken to town year after year in Dallas is Jerry Jones, and, and for a good reason for a lot of it. But this is a guy that, against the you know the outcry, the fans stuck with Jason Garrett, stuck with Romo. You know I think he probably wanted to draft a quarterback, namely Johnny Manziel. Thank God they didn't do that. But this is a guy, Jerry Jones, <laughs> that he's made some bad signings. But you know what? At this point, with the drafting of the offensive line, a little bit of credit to the owner. I think he's built. He's but finally built a team that he's talked it's about. It's a nice. It's a nice year. You have the governor of New Jersey bouncing up and down with him in the box. Sure. Everyone's having a great yeah, time. Yeah. What is that? I don't, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. But uh, not likable. But honestly, Greg, keep politics. Yeah. Let's. let's I don't care okay. about let's politics. Let's go down the political. Road. I don't Why care not? about All politics. Right. I lived in JFK. New York. I lived in New York ten years. You know, you got a. You got the. Uh, the governor of New Jersey cheering on a Cowboys fan. There's a lot of Eagles fans, Jets fans, Giants move. fans that don't it's like that. It's an awkward look. By the way, here is uh, the pool report. Uh, referee Pete Morelli uh, with pool reporter Todd Archer after the game. The question, can you talk about the decision to overturn the call, the pass interference call, and why you overturned the call? The back judge threw his fl- flag for defensive pass interference. We got other information from another official from a different angle that thought the contact was minimal and didn't warrant pass interference. He thought it was face guarding. So I guess their their decision was that they, the flag was thrown too quickly and they needed to confer, and that's why it's picked up. But it's still done strangely because there wasn't enough talking and communication. Right. I think the biggest problem was they didn't announce why they were picking up. It was a total mystery. Right. And then Mike Pereira having happened to be on the game mentioning, hey, this is a crew that hasn't worked together before. It, it's just a bad look. And when you watch the play again and again, it looks 
clearly like a bad Well, that's call. the other side of it. <laughs> right. There was a lot of legitimate reason to potentially call pass interference. Oh, there. no, I it mean, was a bad please. call. It should yeah. have been pass interference. They yeah. punt the ball away. Okay, they give up the touchdown. Okay, but you still have two and a half minutes left. Uh, you have timeouts. You have the two-minute warning. You get a gift from God, which is Demarcus Lawrence uh, uh, recovering the fumble when Stafford gets sacked, I think, on the second play of the final or the second to last possession, stupidly trying to run with it, loses the ball. So they get a second light. Oh, man. And then Stafford, who's had some nice moments at the ends of games, he loses another, another fumble three minutes later, and then the game's over. And that's on the Cowboys' defense in terms of giving them credit. And it's on the Lions' offensive line, which I think had a really good day for most of the day. That pressure was getting to Stafford quickly. I, I don't think Stafford played poorly. I, I said it. I think he outplayed Romo overall. He had a nice game for the most part. Stafford was accurate, made it three or four really good plays. He had that play where he ran over the Cowboys oh, what defender. A, yeah, I mean, he, no, he, he showed up. The whole Lions team proved that they're more than what I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they were coming into this. I, I thought when they have a two-touchdown lead, though, that they'd be able to salt it away with their running game against that Cowboys defense. And you have to give the Cowboys defense credit for getting some stops. And and I think it's weird, but the biggest play in the game was the touchdown by the Cowboys at the end of the first half. Yes. Because the, the, yeah. that came out of nowhere. They were getting dominated. It was 14-0. That, that came out of nowhere, and that just it made it a game where it really wasn't. I know it was 17-7 at half, but that gave them life. And Terrell Austin, the Lions defensive coordinator, did a great job. They were in Romo's face constantly in that first half, and that was part of the reason that was so shocking too because I feel like right before that, Romo had again, he was ducking for his life, Ugh. and all of a sudden, bang, 70-yard touchdown or whatever it was, and the game takes on a different complexion. So – uh, this one, if you're a Lions fan, this one stings. Because, I feel for you, Kevin oh, yeah. Patra. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Patra, sure. I hope uh, he's probably not going to the gym tomorrow morning. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he's taking the day off, and he deserves it because that one was a, a killer loss. Probably been in multiple street fights tonight. And and and, and <laughs> Su, who had who had some big plays in this game, had a had one great sequence where he got the couple sacks. I he was emotional after the game. He was crying. He had to leave the podium because he was crying. And then he comes back a couple minutes later once he comp- com- composes himself, and he just said, this is a result I never saw coming. Like, he was that confident. And I think he knows that this is probably it for him in Detroit, and they had this great chance, and they yeah. had so many plays where if they just made one play, they probably win the game, and they didn't make any of those. It was almost like the, the two kind of loser franchises of the last 10, <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> and it was just like, who is going to figure out a way not to win this game? And it was the Lions. This is a game the Lions should have won. Cowboys stole it, and that's the way this You think game the TV people are excited about Cowboys-Packers oh my just God. a little bit? Ooh. That's incredible. Well, I we mean, should to all get be the excited Cowboys. about the Cowboys being involved. This is fun. I, I am. It's fantastic. I am. Ultimately, I'm happy. And I'm not a big believer in, hey, you built something this season. Okay, you can build on that next season because you start all over, and usually it's, it's really hard to get back to this spot. But I will strike a note of optimism. I think this Lions team is in pretty good position. If you look at what they have on offense, they're a really young offense. They're going to be there for a while. They have DeAndre Levy. They have uh, Ziggy Anza, who broke out with a big game today. I mean, I think they're in pretty good shape. Won't you have trust, Sue, though. You trust Won't Jim have Caldwell to take this team to a Super Bowl? Well, he's gone to the Super Bowl before. I saw him blink on the sideline at one point. <laughs> it's too bad, Caldwell. Got to go for the fourth down. Ugh. Yep. All right, moving on. (laughs) So let's stick in the NFC. We'll cover the other NFC playoff game. This one was on Saturday where uh, the Carolina Panthers, 7-8-1 on the season, still got them a division title, and they got the Cardinals in their building. We all thought the Cardinals, with their fourth quarterback of the year, 
uh, Ryan Lindley would be in trouble, and they were because Newton threw for two touchdowns, and Carolina's defense did the rest, setting an NFL record for the fewest yards allowed in a postseason game. Final score, 27-16 in favor of the Panthers over the Cardinals who go home. The Cardinals who were, of course, 11-1, Mark, at one point. They end up uh, at, I guess, 11-5, and and it's all over now. And, Mark, I ask you, how difficult was it watching a Ryan Lindley team <laughs> try to lead a comeback on the road in the playoffs? Well, and will we ever see anything like that again? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it's another example that injuries can turn at the quarterback position can turn what was a very solid, well-coached, resilient team and what should have been the team of ATL into an absolute punching bag. I mean, there was no confidence that they were going to able to do to able to do anything down the second half of this game against Carolina. And and, and, and you know, you talk about we want to see Cow- the Cowboys get on to play Green Bay. That's exciting. Thank God that we're getting the Panthers next week. They, they, they match up okay with Seattle. I'm not sure they're going to win that game on any level. but That's an interesting game. Cam, Russell Wilson, the two defenses. They're running the ball well, and they're peaking defensively at the right time. Carolina's first playoff win, nine years. Cam Newton's first playoff win. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, from a confidence standpoint. And, and listen, they still haven't really beaten anybody good. I'm sorry, this was not a good Cardinals win. And, like, I caught some heat on Twitter for – I was a little annoyed that Cam was, you know, posing for photos with his teammates on the sideline at the end of the game. It's like – it's basically the equivalent of you taking your buddies out hunting and then you shoot, like, a deer that has a broken leg. Well – And then you, like, celebrate in front of the dead deer. This, this That's easy for you to team. say, but imagine if the Jets just won their first playoff game in not eight years. You wouldn't care about who they played. You would just be celebrating. That's a great moment for the entire franchise and for Cam Newton. I don't care who they played. Well, no, there are – Right? Th- I mean, it, that's that's their moment. That's their big moment of the last eight or nine years. And if Wes was here, he would agree. And Wes would break out his his uh, he's a preening schmo line. And I'm not getting all over Cam Newton about it, but I just want to see uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers beat a real team in the playoffs. They can do whatever they want if they if they take care of business next week in Seattle. But I'm just saying, come on. So you're not buying Carolina as this hidden juggernaut here in the NFC. They. They could be. They could give. They could give Seattle a, a run. But I. I also think we still haven't. They haven't been tested really during this five-game winning streak. I think there's a balance between what I was reading from your guys' Twitter account on Saturday from the bar and the, the thought that this <laughs> team is, you know, some sort of juggernaut. Because it seemed like you guys weren't giving them much credit at all. To me, their defensive performance, even though it was against Lindley, is still noteworthy. This is an NFL team that had 400 yards last week against San Francisco. When San Fran- when Seattle killed Lindley in Arizona on Sunday night football, people couldn't stop tripping over themselves to talk about how good Seattle looks and now they're the team to beat. And yet a game where they were historically good. I know it was Lindley, but they gave up 78 yards. So there it's that was I think great. It was I think great that's that's worth noting that they stopped the running game, they stopped Lindley, they did everything they could. It's a team that is peaking defensively, so it really was a, a awful situation for Arizona to walk into. But this was you'll never see you'll you, you we could watch the NFL playoffs for 20 years before we see another quarterback as bad as Ryan. I saw Lindley. I saw one 2 years ago, Joe Webb. All right, and what happened there? Same thing, pretty much. Well, I'm much. saying, like, when these things happen. <laughs> Same thing. It was a total right. blot. You're right. I mean, just these things happen, but I'm well, going to give the credit. Luck. It's bad luck for Arizona. You get stuck with a third, a guy who shouldn't even be on a, on a roster starting your playoff game. 
By the way, you, you know, Kerwin Williams is involved as well. <laughs> 10 for 23. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the poor guy, can't. He gets open and he's getting airmailed over his head. Uh, Michael Floyd just disappeared this season. Dan there and just I, wasn't anything going on on Arizona's side for And me. Dan and I were not – I don't know what you perceive to be negativity <laughs> towards the Panthers. Not at all. I mean, well, number one, the first thing when Dan uh, <laughs> met me at the tavern that we watched this game, we both admitted that Luke Keekley is a handsome – Handsome Very gentleman, attractive. Let's start right there. In fact, there was a table. Clark Kent, by the way, just so you know. Okay, People I can say see that. I'm Superman, but Luke is legitimately Clark Kent. There was Very a, fetching. There was a table of girls at the the tavern that we were at, hmm. all wearing Keekly jerseys, and I go, like, oh, "Wow!" First of all, Panthers fans in Los Angeles—that's weird. Keekly fans makes sense. You could add it up. Uh, but then at one point, something Arizona scored their touchdown. And they were all cheering. And it's like, I'm not sure. Well, there was some disconnect in terms on that table's part of following what was happening. I mean, I'm not an expert on male attractiveness. That's that's really. Oh, of course not. That's Dan's role in the group. He, yes, you know, that's he, true. Actually. He often a lot of comments, but that Keekly Cam real. That Keekly Cam combination as your two franchise pillars, you'd have you could do an historical thing. Could you come up with a better looking duo than that? The ladies love Cam Newton. Cam is an excellent looking man as well. So that's a, that. That's all I'm saying, and that's why I'm saying you got to give credit to the team. Not only Keekly, forget his, forget the looks. What I guess what I'm saying is you can. Yeah, what are you saying? You Greg? can take away, <laughs> you can take away the Cardinals' offense, what and you the can. What hell's going on out here? You could still point out Thomas Davis is playing like crazy the last five or six weeks. You can talk about this guy Trey Boston who keeps making huge, huge plays. They do have some guys coming together, and I think they could be a little problematic for the Seattle I offense. think we agree that the defense, it, number one, good coaching job. They've taken a lot of young and experienced guys, and, and, they're, and they're playing well. But I look at, look at they're running the ball with Jonathan Stewart, 123 yards on Saturday. But no one had more than 39 yards receiving for Carolina. Wasn't a good it, day for Cam. It wasn't a great day for him. But also, so you're going to go deal with this Seattle defense next? Number one, they shut down the run well. What do you trust the Panthers to get out of dark corners with a passing game? I don't know. No, I Cam Newton needs to play a lot better. He had a C minus D plus game. I mean, that's Whoa. that's where. I mean, he didn't play well. He he would admit that. That actually thought I, a, a sideline at the end of the game. I thought he played the greatest game of all time. But you know. see, if you were listening, which you know you were at no. bar, you can't hear it. His post game interview. I was actually kind of impressed with his maturity. In, in the interview right after the game. Uh, with the sideline reporter, when he said, "I need to play a lot better. My mechanics were off. I missed too many throws." That was that was the first thing out of his mouth was that he didn't really have a good game, but the team, you know, played well. How about Dave Gettleman, the general manager? I mean, this was a team we wrote off at the middle of the season. I think Rivera too. They they did a nice job recovering what could have been a completely lost campaign here. And what a what a sad time for the Cardinals, though. I mean. I've said it a million times now that the difference between Stanton and Lindley was bigger than the difference between Palmer and Stanton. They had no chance to win that game. I mean, I, I give up that. And if that's the last moment for Larry Fitzgerald in a Cardinals uniform, it's just kind of what a lame way to I, go out. I think out. this Cardinals team will be back, though. Yeah, it all depends with Carson Palmer's health. I mean, two ACL reconstructions now, and he's going to be in his mid-30s. But it will be, I would imagine, it's going to be a breath of fresh air when all these guys get back to camp and you have – Carson Palmer, hopefully healthy and on the field. A functional quarterback. Because this is, and this <sighs> is not the first time Larry Fitzgerald has dealt with this in his Cardinals career, playing with these 
uh, as Bobby the Brain Heenan used to say in WWF, Hammeneggers. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, these type of guys, you, they're just not going to take you anywhere. What does it's that even to mean? A ham and egg. Ham and egger is like a. They're so easy. They're like breakfast ham and egg. So He's just yeah. a workman that goes. He eats breakfast and then goes does a day labor. I'm not sure exactly job. what it means. I love Bruce Arians, but Carson Palmer is going to be 35 years old coming off two torn ACLs. I mean, hey, you, Arians you, said at the combine you he don't could really play for another four seasons. You, you so. don't really know what you're going to have with him, so. I hope they get another quarterback in there, if nothing else, just so they have an option uh, other than Logan Thomas, apparently, when this stuff comes up. Logan, I hope it's not Sam Bradford. <laughs> Logan Thomas' dad was the real hero here, tweeting from the game at the game uh, that <laughs> there's no way they're making the comeback with this guy behind center. Oh, talking no. about Lindley. NFL dads, oh, there, there needs to be like a etiquette class for a handful of NFL dads that just step way out of bounds at various times. Yeah, and he made another reply to someone where he just said, why did they draft this kid? You know, he's made a huge mistake three weeks ago. What he doesn't we just, know what they're thinking. What if we took Logan Thomas's dad and Larry Fitzgerald Sr. <laughs> and then just got some cameras on him and put him in a house in Malibu. Got a podcast mm. that might do Going, better uh, than ours. Mike Vick's brother in that. Yes, Marcus, get Marcus good. involved. Oh, this is a great show. Yeah. Get RG3's dad in there. NFL's now is looking for programming. If any of you guys out there are listening, All in the NFL family. We want executive title. producer titles. Or Dan That's does, where the money is, by the way. Oh, yeah. We just need to get attached to the project <laughs> and then just cash in on the back end with the DVDs and... Rack up a few Emmys. Yeah. Oh, Emmy time. That's right. Are the, the reality shows get Emmys? <laughs> I'm sure we could yeah, find top, a way to get Yeah, Top Chef Emmy always says they get a lot of Emmys. That's a reality show. You know, it's a great show, Shark Tank. Have I told you about that? <laughs> yeah, we've heard about it once or twice, Dave. All right, let's move on. Let's head to the AFC, and we're gonna, uh, we'll, we'll start with the Sunday game, which a great day for Chris Wessling. It is West of us. The Cincinnati Bengals for the fourth straight year under Andy Dalton leave the playoffs after one round. This time it was Andrew Luck and the Colts taking care of business. Uh, Luck threw for 376 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 26-10 win for the Colts over the Bengals on Sunday in Indy. Uh, Mark, you feel strongly that what we saw today is really the last thing the Bengals really need to see from Andy Dalton, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the referendum is, what we're looking for. You know, referendum. Four straight seasons. Uh, today's game is not entirely on Andy Dalton, but for everyone that wants, like, we wrote an article. I basically said, move on from this guy, or at least bring someone in to seriously challenge him, and not some fourth round rookie. But you got to think about the fact that you have a very complete team here with a lot of talent. That this is the guy that's holding you back. Four point four yards per attempt today. Uh, it, it's not just a thing. I mean, you get him into a big spot. The Bengals crumbled. They, they were injury-riddled today. But Dalton, across the way, you've got Andrew Luck and other big quarterbacks around the league that will their teams to, to victories, no matter who's on the field. With Dalton, he is incapable of it. So how, how much more does anyone need to see? Do you want to do a fifth season of this? The, I don't. The bar is so low for Dalton that everyone after the game saying, well, this one's not on Andy Dalton. And, and I get that because it's not totally. It was a complete right. team loss. Everything – the Bengals did defensively, running game, everyone's hurt, was was bad. It was a miracle that they only lost by 16. On the other hand, he had 4.4 yards per attempt, and after the game, Marvin Lewis said, well, he thought Dalton played a good game, basically, because no, he avoided no, a turnover. No. And if that's the bar for your $100 million 
contract quarterback. It's like that's just not how the NFL works anymore. This is the if you're a Bengals fan, the frustration is so easy. You know, obviously he's not working with a, a full stable of receivers, but the checkdowns, the Gio Bernard over and over <laughs> again in third and long scenarios where they're not even sniffing the sticks. And, you know, this is just who he is. It's like he's not – he did take a few deep shots, but none of them really came close to hitting. And I will say Dalton really needed Jeremy Hill to deliver a big game, and Hill didn't – he wasn't able to do it 13 for 47. That's not going to do it. He did get in the end zone. Yeah, well, one carry in the second quarter. It was crazy. They went a, a, away they went from away him. From it. And, but when they were running, it wasn't working either. It was eight rushes for 11 yards for the second and third quarter combined. Well, I think – listen, when you don't have A.J. Green in there and suddenly Vontae Davis basically is erasing Mohamed Sanu, you don't have Jermaine Gresham, Tyler Eifert's been out for – he's gone for the season. You know, they, I understand that Andy Dalton didn't have a full helping of weapons around him. At the, and Hugh Jackson – as a play caller, first first a quarter and a half did an outstanding job of like mixing in these players you'd never even heard of. Like they were getting, they were making plays, but that only works for a quarter or two when your quarterback cannot make plays on passing downs. It, we shouldn't underrate the people that were out of this game, though. Not only Green, but Gresham, their second leading receiver, Don Son, Dane Sonsenbacher, who's at least been around, would have been a better option. Uh, than some of their guys. Marvin Jones hasn't been there all year. Tyler Eifert hasn't been there all year. I mean, that's four of their top five or six receiving options. So that's yeah. it's a disaster. Let me ask you something. So you think that if A.J. Green were in this game, let's just start I him. was going to pick him. Well, you and did I pick did him. pick them. And I, number one, I'm irritated that I fell for this <laughs> because it was ill-conceived on my part. But I'm I don't not sure think what, they... what you even fell for because you've been against the Bengals as a team to take seriously all season, and you are no Dalton fan. You've been on the record on that. Why did you even do this? I thought that this was there was too much of a tipping point of the Bengals cannot win in January and the same old thing that we say every year. But then that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they were extremely frustrating, and you cannot sell this fan base on the same formula Here, next season. Here's what happened. These are human beings that had targets today in the Bengals game. Humans with targets. Ryan Hewitt. Targeted. Rex Burkhead. Targeted. Who was great for part of this game. Kevin Brock. Targeted. Brandon Tate. Targeted. Greg Little. Targeted. And Kobe Hamilton. I left, okay. I left out my up that new last guy. No, no, he's a real person. He had that two guy of them. was made up. He had two targets. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's the thing, and this is why I, I don't agree with you, Mark, and I'm not. I'm sick of defending Andy Dalton because I'm annoyed watching him too at this point, but this is not the game to bury Andy Dalton's career in Cincinnati because he was – it was a stack deck against I'm him. I'm not saying – And a better quarterback maybe – Finds a way to make it work, but you got to be a damn good quarterback like Andrew Luck, maybe. And maybe we should talk about the Colts. We should, but one thing: it's not just this game that I'm saying this. This you have right. a four-year sample size sure. for Andy Dalton, and we talked about this two years ago. He hit his ceiling as a rookie. Yeah, we apo- that's what concerns me. We apologize to Colts fans. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Colts. to the Colts. Talk about you plenty right now. We're going to talk about you all week. You guys. You probably not. Probably just be talking com- about Tony Romo. The you can't complain <laughs> about anything when you get Peyton Manning and then he leaves and you get Andrew Luck. I mean, give me a break. We shouldn't talk about Luck you. You guys so are so lucky. Andrew Luck is so good. 
And you know, I wrote about this after the game. It, it, it still drives me crazy uh, with jealousy that the Colts fans somehow got Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck back-to-back through just a, a wild series of events over one year. But this guy, and this wasn't his greatest statistical game, but it's just amazing to watch what he does. And there was one play in particular that really uh, put the game really away with how bad Cincinnati was playing. It was a touchdown pass about 40 yards to uh, Moncrief in, in which – uh, Luck faced some pressure. He moved up in the pocket, climbed the pocket. Then he had someone diving at his feet from behind. and Hanging he, on to his leg. Yeah, as he's falling down, right before he falls down, he spots Moncrief. Perfect pass. Hits him in stride, and he was somewhat covered on the play. Touchdown. And after the game, Charlie, Chaz Pagano, <laughs> says, well, that's, you know, he's a magician. He's a maestro or maestro. That's what uh, Andrew Luck does. The guy is awesome. And another team... And I know they're going uh, next week. They're going to Denver. Luck is 0-2 in the postseason on the road so far in his career. But another team, you cannot count the Colts out because their quarterback is so good. And he makes it look easy. Finished with 376 yards. And you know what the story of the first half was for the Colts offense to some degree was T.Y. Hilton and Luck could not get on the same page. At one point, Hilton had three catches off 10 targets, left about 70-something yards, and a touchdown on the field, maybe two. Hilton still ends up with 100 yards. Right. Luck, I mean, it's like this is when they're clicking, the Colts, I would not want to be the Patriots. I would not want to be the Broncos. I wouldn't want to deal with this team. Well, not having a pass rush against Luck is just Killer. a suicide mission. And they, the Bengals had no pass rush. And that's why it's on their defense, too. The it is. defense didn't have a good game. But I thought this was Luck's best game of the entire season. And I, I threw that opinion because he had some better statistical games. I threw that opinion uh, by a, a blogger, a Colts blogger, Nate Dunleavy from Colts Authority, who I really trust, and he agreed with me, so that made me feel better. Dan can actually look. You see these yes. chicken scratches? I have these little notebooks. You, it looks like uh, the ramblings of a madman. I, took, I, t- I do little notes that don't really mean anything, but I keep track of what I consider a good pass. I have a very high bar for this. And Luck had 6.5 in this game, which is the, the most I've had by anyone. Wait, does that mean he had half a good pass at one point? Yeah, I give halves for like That's weird. good additions of like routine, <laughs> like you know, deep we outs a, or something. We needed a name for this. Only eight, yeah. only eight bad passes. Anyways, that's the best ratio Scratches. anyone's had in any game that I've done all year for wow. what it's worth. It's just my made-up stuff, but it stuck out to me that he had that many great plays without almost any bad throws, without many. If someone told me this weekend <laughs> that... Dan looks perplexed, by I'm the way. still... Uh, your writing is uh, amazing to me. <laughs> if, we, if we were to see playoff action involving Trent Richardson, Brandon Whedon, Josh Cribbs, oh, Greg comes. Little, and Rob Chudzinski. I would have thought that old Browns team from two seasons ago suddenly got hot, but no. <laughs> Other teams picked up the trash. Greg Little should not be on the football field, but I thought Cribs looked pretty good for the Colts today. He's given them a little life in the return game. Hey, he's okay. He's giving them a little life. I mean, he's That's no like a uh, crazy. Mar- well, I know. No, I he's think no, Josh Cribs no, is a legend not, in Ohio. I, 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 I get it. I think it. he has. I thought he's, he's no he's, Zerlon. He's done a nice job. He's no Zerlon Tipton. By the way, the lowest moment Zerlon of Zerlon Tipton. There's the lowest moment of Trent Richardson's career here oh, that they didn't give him a snap. That's saying something. He, he had an illness that he missed Friday practice for, but wow. it's like you know if. If Boom Heron missed Friday practice with an illness or, or any decent starting running back, he's still playing in that game because they need him. But instead, they use it as an excuse to play Heron and Zerlon. Well, and Heron, you know, <laughs> base, it seemed like Heron kind of got yanked after that fumble. Right. Which is Which, weird because it wasn't a, an egregious fumble. Like It was a really nice play from behind and getting punched out. But He had two fumbles, though, deal. total. Right. He had yeah. two but, fumbles. Okay. But Greg makes a good point. You think at that point, you listen, you're going to put Richardson in there to see what he's got. No, you go to Zerlon. And you got Zerlon. 
Someone Zerlan. shot out of an, like a cannon from outer space, another dimension, suddenly is playing running back for a playoff team. It's a little worrisome, and we'll get into the, the Broncos game, but it's a little worrisome how reliant they are on Hilton. Because I don't know if Knicks is make Knicks made a great play on that 45-yarder, but Knicks is not the speediest receiver in the world. Wayne is clearly not Wayne. It's just a lot of T.Y. Reggie, Hilton, and the, and the Broncos have a good secondary. Reggie Wayne has hit the stage of his career, by the way. Uh, growing up a huge Don Mattingly fan, by the end of his career with the Yankees, every time he would do anything, he would get a huge ovation by fans because he couldn't really play anymore, but he was just so beloved by the fan base. Reggie Wayne has hit that level with Colts fans now. He had one catch in this game for 12 years, twelve yards, and they gave him an ovation like he just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which well, is, by the way, good for Reggie Wayne. They may not see Wayne. him again after this I, season, I'm not saying so. that to, to you know denigrate Reggie Wayne, who's had a great career, but it just goes to show you that he's not even close to the same guy he was before he hurt the knee. The Cam Newton extended family and the Reggie Wayne clan do not want to listen to this podcast. Yeah, how, yeah, how dare you? Dan just tearing <laughs> that down really I feel like I gave a nuanced uh, reasoning there. Maybe you, you should. Yeah, you're basically giving credit to the Colts fan base. Yeah, and they are one credit, of the best both. crowds in terms of being They're smart. Good. And they know that was probably it. That was probably his last catch as an Indianapolis Colt. The odds on him being back next year in to Indy. me is very – Anywhere, because he said he's not going to play anywhere else, and I don't think they're going to offer him much of a contract, and that's just how these things end. Give that Colts crowd credit in terms of being smart. When the Colts are on offense, it is like the middle <laughs> of the night on the ocean. You can't hear anything in there. <laughs> well, who other trained than them? Peyton Manning. Well, fair enough. But, I mean, Andrew Luck, by the way, and we talked about this, the loudest cadence at the line of anyone on the planet. Well, Flacco's close. Flacco okay. is great. But, it, but it, when, there's no, when there's not another sound in the entire building, it only makes that's, it that much louder. That's a good point. All right. Are we done talking about this game? Yeah, let's uh, – Colts yeah. have any chance of um, – I think they oh, definitely, definitely do. Absolutely. Let it, me finish my question. Okay. Winning the Super Bowl. Oh, sure. Andrew it's Luck? about who gets hot. If Luck plays like this for the next two weeks, they'll get in there. What, what's that? I, I don't. I, I have, have a big problem with that. I have very little faith in their defense, but you have to give them credit for what they did today. Like we gave the Panthers credit for taking care of a bad opponent. They were all over the pan the Bengals receivers. It's hard to see this defense winning a Super Bowl. But NASCAR yeah. trout deep Scooby right F short switch salt swirl. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's a tongue twister too. Uh, NASCAR our, trout. Deep Scooby right, F short, switch salt swirl. Always double down when you have the chance. <laughs> By the way, loved your nautical reference. Just surprised it took this long in the show to get yeah. to. When's the wilderness hit coming? It's got to be coming soon. Fessler plays the hit. We still have another game to review. You're like you're like the classic rock band that makes sure to get in the big hits in the encore. <laughs> That's not how I tend to view the podcast. Like that was, must that was your like, born to run. <laughs> We're still waiting for Thunder Road. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's you got go your Browns. You got your poor John. Actually, you got that? your Browns reference in there. You got the nautical. So well, you know what? You guys are laughing, but what, you know, Rob. We're just waiting for satisfaction now. Andy's, you know, coaching regime, and suddenly, bang! You're in the divisional round. <laughs> dan, <laughs> you dan, connect the dots. Dan, 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 dan. All right, let's move on to the final AFC uh, playoff game. Or actually, it was the first AFC playoff game. It was on Saturday, and it was jaunty. If you're a Ravens fan, Joe Flacco threw two second-half touchdowns, and the Ravens took care of business in Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers 30-17 to on Saturday night. As I said, uh, Greg, this was a surprise. Well, not surprising to me because I had a hero pick on it. Wow. And did I mention 
And by the way, nobody said, "Oh, Dan, great job going four and zero this week." Thanks. Oh, great well, job. these picks don't. They don't count. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure they don't because what did you go? I don't even know. I, I went, don't even remember who I picked. I went. What did I go? Oh, this was the only one I lost. Three and one. There you go. Thank you, too. You will have the most hero picks on the year, so that's good. Well, I'm I'm also I'm thinking big picture. I'm looking to take you down for the whole season. In the playoffs. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Greg, Joe Flacco outplayed Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers, it turned out that they did have that last egg in them, and Le'Veon Bell not being involved obviously plays a big part in that. But tell me, how surprised were you that the Steelers played so poorly? I was surprised, but not after I watched the Ravens do three drives because then you knew the Ravens' offense was back. I was very surprised. This was my confident call. I thought the, the Steelers were going to roll, but the Steel Presented the, by TD Ameritrade? That's right. The official sponsor of the The Ravens NFL? team and one, uh, two different Twitter Sweet followers team. pointed this out. They were like, you've been loving the Ravens all year. Don't you feel stupid for not sticking with them here? And I do because – they looked great from September to November, like a team that could go far in the playoffs, very balanced. That team was not around in December. Their offense was Wait, terrible. Wait, that was your whole point that we don't want to, we want well, to ignore everything. I'm a that man of many contradictions, <laughs> Mark. Well, I thought, you know, look, it was ignore December, apparently. At least when it comes with the Ravens, you should have ignored December. Well, you should have. I mean, I, I think we got a little cute on our preview of this game in discussing Le'Veon Bell and saying, oh, you know what? This is a perfect matchup. They don't need Bell. This is, this is a perfect setup for them to, you know, to deal with. Baltimore's injury-riddled secondary. Well, you know what? You could have used Bell. Well, of course. he's maybe. I think he's the best running back in the league. And you're right. We probably didn't take that into enough account. But I give the, the win to the Ravens' offense, and I give the loss to the Steelers' defense. The Ravens' offense had 30 points in their first eight drives. This was not a game where the Ravens just like, oh, they looked like a better team, and the Steelers put up a stinker. They looked like two completely even teams matching up and Baltimore just made all the big plays. If the six plays where, you know, Flacco gets a touchdown on third and goal from the 13. I mean, you expect that to be three points. Antonio Brown jumps, should have gotten his feet down in the end zone. Bad throw by Ben there. It, the Steelers were making all these long drives and then kicking field goals or not getting anything, and that's what killed them. And maybe we should now that we have another big win in January – this John Harbaugh Joe Flacco pairing, that these guys, these guys are business. They have never lost in their first round, first round playoffs. They have a Super Bowl ring. Now they're hot and they're going to New England. We're going to get to that during the week. We'll dig into that. But they have no fear going into Foxborough. They've won a game in Foxborough to get to the Super Bowl. They should have won a game if they had a better kick kicker another time in the AFC title game. This team is dangerous, and it's crazy because we were just talking about how they were playing so poorly, and it just shows you how things, quickly things change in this league. My favorite throw of the week by far was the Joe Flacco toss deep to Torrey Smith. Onions! Th third and one at the Steelers 34. You're up eight points. All you need is a field goal. He has two guys underneath that looked open, and Flacco just doesn't care. He is aggressive every play of the game, and he goes for it, which seemed like a crazy throw, and he throws a perfect pass to Torrey Smith, 
who doesn't get his feet down, and then suddenly people kill Flacco for the decision. Give me a break. It was a perfect throw. Sexy deep ball. Sexy deep Sexiest. ball. Sexiest. TD. Completely. Number one. You got He's it. the best. I don't uh, usually don't give Flacco because Flacco has too much arm strength, so it yeah. looks looks more like projectile. has too much power okay. on it. But that was good. Cause that was well, how deep. about that Joe Flacco's good. body language this time of year? It's got to be off the charts for you. It's pretty good, man. His fans, his teammates love it. It's pretty good. Torrey it, Smith let him down on that play. And people, that right, and they still got the field goal that put him up eight. And look, you ended up winning the game, and he, he stayed aggressive they were so aggressive all game like if he's having a bad game he's really aggressive and if he's having a good game he's really aggressive it doesn't matter people laugh at like the, the idea that John Harbaugh said that Flacco is the best quarterback in football and he and he's not he's so not. Let, let's start right there <laughs> but but it is fair for John Harbaugh who's one who's who's you know has a Super Bowl ring on his hand I because get of it. his quarterback exactly. totally get it and he's a perfect fit for this team because when if put yourself in jo- John Harbaugh's shoes there's no other quarterback that you could imagine <laughs> that you would not go into war with at this point because you know this guy's done it and you're you're completely confident. And the and the quarterback that he beat in the Super Bowl two years ago is part of the reason that Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline watching that game. Nice yesterday. tie in, Mark. That's a high moment for Mark, but I also we got to talk a low moment, Mark. Yeah. What is that? Your Super Bowl pick is officially dead. You have the Steelers <laughs> and the Saints both gone. Your thoughts. Well, it's troubling. I mean, number one, the Saints pick turned out to be a reprehensible embarrassment. <laughs> and a, and another, alone. And another alone. indication that we don't really you know anything. Factory of sadness. Oh. That's a low moment for TD right there, who has <laughs> apparently one button on his control booth. <laughs> let, me, let me try to set you up a little bit. Okay. Are you down enough that maybe you need to take a walk in the wilderness? No, I'm not going to go down <laughs> that road. Nice try. A nice attempt on your part. Oh, all right. That's too bad. But listen, Pittsburgh, and, and, and I remember people laughing at Dan when he said this a couple days ago, that they have one more ill-fated stinker, stinker in them, and it happened. And, Mark, well, Greg, you don't think it was necessarily a stinker. The last the last five minutes well, were a stinker, a but it was a big-time loss. They got out. They got out. Yeah, let's home. call it what it is. They at home again in a game they should have won. They were playing great this entire last two months, essentially, with maybe one false start against the Jets uh, and the Saints, obviously, those two games. But this team has been playing so well. They were a Super Bowl darling. You do wonder, though, we can't, you know, the Le'Veon Bell thing, we've got to go back to it. It's just that guy was the engine of that offense. Well, I think their only way, I didn't, obviously we didn't know this going in, but their route to winning this game was in a shootout. And they have the offense to do that. They would have had to win this game 35-31, and they could have. They have the team that they could have pulled that off. And without Bell, that wasn't going to happen. One question: a lot of if you talk to a lot of Steelers fans, there is at different periods mounting frustration with Mike Tomlin. That, oh yeah. Do you? Is there any chance? I. It's too late in the season. You know, maybe it's too late to reorganize. But was there any chance Tomlin could ever be taken out of that that coaching position? It wouldn't shock me. This year, this in the next month, I would be. Shocked. I mean, it would be it would be surprising, but there has been talk before that he's been read the riot act a little bit. Um, this ownership is not one to make rash decisions, not so it'd be, it'd be really surprising. But it, I don't think it's impossible. Maybe they go get Sean Payton. I think I think Dick LeBeau is a more interesting name to talk about because you know they don't want to get rid of him. But it was on the defense to me. I, I bought into that they were playing better in December. Cameron Hayward looked good. Jason Worlds. And, you know, they were terrible in this game. They got no pressure. Troy Palomalo. I, I kept thinking, oh, oh, was that Palomalo? He finally makes a play. And then it was really Ross Ventrone 
That's depressing. You know, oh, he's the guy with long hair on special teams. You never want to be mistaken for a guy named Ross. <laughs> Just in general. Ventrone brothers, by the way. I, what, what's the other one? Ray? No, I forget. That One of the more underrated brother pairings in the NFL in a long time. The Ventrones. So what do we think about the... Super ri- underrated. <laughs> Great. That, that one fell. And, yeah, well, yeah, listen, can all be hits. Yeah, there's people out there that know what I'm talking about when the Ventrones are well, coming they, up, and they're like, I love this Greg guy. You Hit can't me with get them off Ventrone. a roster. I mean, they have, a, they have that nine Greg lives, those guys. That is hilarious. Someone <laughs> listening right now. Uh, Greg, like I said, we're going to get into it during the week, but just uh, one to ten, ten being uh, peeing your pants, uh, one being I don't care about nothing, I'm awesome put my aviators on and walk away. How scared are you about the Ravens going to Foxborough (laughs) in a spot where they have no fear? I'm not scared of any teams playing the team I like. That's a silly word, I think. What? Well, that's a nice existence to be in. I get scared of a lot of teams. What kind of answer is that? The Ravens are a much harder opponent than the Colts or the Bengals would have been. They have a much better chance to beat the Patriots this week than I think the Colts or the Bengals. So in that way, you know, I'd put a – Five or six. In the other way, I look at it like... That's also peeing your pants, by the way. Yeah, that's fine. Little trickles or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I look at it like if the Patriots are going to go win a Super Bowl, you have to be a great team, and you're going to have to beat great teams, and you're going to have to beat a team like Seattle or Green Bay. And th- so it's like if they're great enough to win a Super Bowl, then you can beat Baltimore. First and if not, they'll just lose. First occurrence of the word trickles on this podcast <laughs> in 186 episodes. Yes. <laughs> S- Sunday night, Greg in a diaper. Tune in. But... By the way, I'm also happy that this is the first time in what feels like forever that the Patriots don't have an open walk-in invitation to the AFC title game. You're going to have to earn this, Greg yep. Rosenthal. Yeah. You know what? It reminds me a little bit of 2003 where they're, I think the toughest matchup they had was the divisional round game no one remembers against the Tennessee Titans, Titans. who looked primed to win that game, really played a great game. They lost a close one. Patriots survive it, go on to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that happens again. And maybe it does, Greg. Maybe By the way, that guy is still laughing wherever he is. He's like, that Greg Rosenthal. The Ventrones. Knee slapper. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm not the populist, you know, Mariah Carey type guy that you are. But, you know, there's some. Okay. <laughs> okay. There, I'm more like, you know, the people that like the deep cuts, uh, have a refined taste, little you know, indie oh, rock. Oh, so like you're, you, you're essentially reducing Dan to like a. A clumsy everyman. Yeah. Well, or a billionaire billionaire diva. I just don't right. follow the analogy too much. <laughs> but uh, all right. So that's it. On that note, that is the wild card wrap up. Uh, what is our schedule this week? What are we doing? Tuesday and Thursday? Tuesday and Thursday. And thanks, by the way, for everyone who listened to our wild card Ooh. preview. You guys made it our uh, most listened to show in a long time. And we appreciate you guys sticking with us all the way through the playoffs. TD, uh, you did a great job getting that out there as well as the producer. I just want you to know I appreciate you. I do, too. Mark's Strong the one job. that does No, it. I think, TD, you are a professional in every hey. sense of the word. Appreciate it, guys. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what it you feels need like a and setup, what you want, doesn't it? But, you know, fun no. show. Thank Here's you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to TD. We will be back on Tuesday. Wes, I assume, will be with us because uh, Wes is – We'll sleep with a smile on his face tonight. West of us has come. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for The Sizzler, also known as Quiet Storm, and The Boss, and, of course, TD Behind the Glass. Till Tuesday, thank you for listening. Wild Card Weekend's done.
third inning. Derek Jeter in first. Booyah! With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.